to tell It's gonna be a great Noel It's the Advent Calendar House Muffins, Black Man Smurfs And even Garfield's Halloween We're gonna take a trip down memory It is the Advent Calendar House, and it's Morphin' Time. Except, no, it's not. Sadly, we cannot call upon the power of our giant robot dinosaurs, but that's not stopping us from teleporting back to 1995 for a very special Christmas episode of Mighty Morphin' Power Rangers. This is I'm Dreaming of a White Ranger. I am 40-year-old teenager who only owns clothes in one color, Mike Westfall. And joining me are two millennials with attitude. First is my favorite evil space queen fresh from her 10,000-year nap on the moon. It's Lindy. Welcome back, Lindy. (laughs) Happy to be back. Fresh out of the dumpster, just like Rita. (laughs) And a giant skeleton warrior who's painted only the left half of his body in camouflage in case he needs to hide half of himself behind a tree. Please welcome Andre Bennett. Hey, Andre. Yo. Wait, it's not Morphin Time. You mean I I, I dug up this like Morpher background for nothing? I I, I, I like I got I got my Zord out of mothballs for 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 no reason. I'm so sorry. I forgot about that part. But (laughs) but thank you both for being here. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely, man. This is a show I've wanted to talk about for a while, and I just couldn't wait any longer. Now, I was not a huge Power Rangers fan as a kid, but a lot of my friends were, and I definitely enjoyed it every time I watched the show. But first, I want to hear about your histories with the franchise, and if you have any memories of watching this particular Christmas special for the first time. And we will start with Andre. Can we can we start with Lindy first, actually? Okay. And we will... <laughs> um. So being a slightly elder millennial, I think I was in like seventh or eighth grade when the series like premiered at all. So I did watch it like the first season or so, because I've always been a fan of Kaiju and Godzilla and stuff. So like giant things fighting in costumes is awesome. Uh, So I got a kick out of that for like just normal like TV, just like, oh, it happens beyond. Sure. Why not? But then uh did not really stick with it. I was not of the demographic that was like, I needed to buy the $75 Zord sets or anything like that. So once they got into the movie and switched over to the new cast, I, I was kind of not really into watching it anymore. <laughs> Perfect. Andre, how about you? I say, as I uh, as I am in the middle of a total common writer binge, <laughs> watching the show and reading the manga. Oh, wow. <laughs> Uh, to prepare for next year's big uh, Shin Kamen Rider movie. Um, you know, I start early. So, okay. Um, how much time we got? As long <laughs> as you want to go. Okay. Um, when I was a kid, my uh, uh, my favorite uncle was a touring musician. He would tour with like uh, 
with uh he was a session guy studio guy and also okay. touring he would tour with like nostalgics like um the stylistics and blue magic and some of those tours would take him to, to japan and one of the reasons we got along so well is he was a huge nerd like like me and he would always come back with japanese uh toys like specifically ultraman and i learned i started learning about ultraman from him and then they had that Australian Ultraman show in the 90s towards the future. I don't know if you remember that. Vaguely. I remember it happened. Yeah. It was like the first English language Ultraman, like produced an English Ultraman show. Mm-hmm. And um, I was super into it. My brother and I were super into it. And one year I like I remember for like he came back from one tour and brought us a bunch of Japanese Game Boy games. Nice. Including like the untranslated Fall of the Foot Clan Ninja Turtles Game Boy <laughs> wow. game and this Ultraman fighting game, which was not at all based on like the one that we'd been watching, but like the original series. Okay. So that was my first time. I'm, I'd known and of, you know, Kaiju and seen Godzilla movies before, but that was my first time really getting into Tokusatsu, which. I'm I'm sure you're familiar with the term tokusatsu. Yes. Yes. So fast forward a little bit to what was it, nineteen ninety two or three when the show when Power Rangers debuted? I want to say ninety-three. Okay. So I was also about in se- in seventh grade. Um and oh, I should also mention that do you guys remember the show Night Flight? Not ringing a bell. Night Flight was a was a counterculture. Um, almost MTV esque show that would run Saturday, super late Saturday mornings from like midnight till four on the USA Network, and then okay. for a cup for like a year or two on CBS. Um, it would actually run midnight to eight because they they'd run it twice. It was a four hour show and they'd run it twice back to back. But um, it was like a lot of like weird stuff, music video, like punk videos, movies, uh, strange, surreal movies, um, uh, interviews with bands and artists, Okay, uh, spotlights on avant-garde film and other crap. But one of the things they would run was a dubbed, was their own joke dub of the Super Sentai show Dynamite. Uh, Dynam- <laughs> Okay. <laughs> and I'd remembered watching that because I used to watch Night Flight every so often when I was a tiny child. This was in the 80s. Like mid to late 80s. Um because my mom would let me like stay up late Saturday nights. I used, I was that weird kid who would watch Saturday Night Live. <laughs> <laughs> so hell, I was that weird kid who would watch Letterman and Carson. Nice. Cuz uh I they let me have a TV in my uh in my room. In fact, I was that weird kid that what that will wake up in the middle of the night and turn on world news. Now I was a weird kid. <laughs> so getting back to when I saw the first ads for power Rangers, having seen Dynaman and knowing what I knew of Tokusatsu from Ultraman, I was all the hell in <laughs> like sight unseen. I, I was ready. I was, and I watched the show and as corny as it was, it was just cool seeing like all this, like all this crazy stuff from like the costumes to 
the the Zords. I, I'm a huge mark for giant robots, um, giant combining robots, giant transforming robots, any giant robots. Um, so this was up my alley, and it looked uh, like the Megazord looked a lot like Zord, uh, like like Voltron, and I loved Voltron. Yeah. So, so I was all I was like totally down. Um, I watched through like all of Mighty Morphin. And then into Zio, I finally kind of gave up during Turbo because, let's face it, Turbo was not very good. Nah, that's about when I dropped off. Was that the one that were there firefighters or whatever? No, that's Lightspeed Rescue. Turbo oh. was the was with the cars. <laughs> I kept up with the franchise, at least, though. I would watch episodes here and there, you know, in space. And I, I, I kind of dropped off totally... Um, I want to say after Disney sold it back to Saban, but I then, thanks to the magic of the internet, discovered Super Sentai, the original versions, and Kamen Rider, which Saban tried to do the thing with, with um, as Mask Rider, and uh, their their Mask Rider show was garbage. <laughs> and then all the other tokusatsu stuff and now i am like a huge tokusatsu fan i i one of the groups i admin on facebook is a tokusatsu group it's called rubber suit rumble nice and it's uh, i also admin cult cinema cloister and uh we're an awesome group that does group watches and stuff and and uh find us on facebook yay do is, it can i plug is, <laughs> absolutely sorry. sure no 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 all plugs are welcome I just did the uh, just do it and ask forgiveness later. No, Sorry. it's fine. Um, In the show notes, kids. So, yeah, that's basically um, that's my history with it. So, like, I I don't want to say I, I live and breathe this stuff, but I am a huge fan. And um, I've been reading biography like I read a biography of Ishiro Honda recently, the original Godzilla director and Eiji Tsuburaya, who, who co-created Godzilla and also created Ultraman and was like a, the, the tokusatsu special effects pioneer in Japan. And, yeah, I've just been kind of immersing myself. Um, one of my Homer Simpson-esque lifelong dreams is to direct a monster movie. Who knows if it'll ever happen? It would be nice. I'd love to do it. Um, I'm putting it into the universe. We'll see what happens. <laughs> I'm rooting for you. Wow. You Thank were you. in before day one. That's amazing. Yes, I was. However, I had never seen this episode. Oh, at least I don't remember seeing this episode. I think I've seen Alpha's Magical Christmas, but not this. Okay. Yeah, that's its own beast. <laughs> That'll be fun to get to later. But uh, so I started watching Power Rangers because a friend of mine who used to stay at my house after school loved it. I enjoyed it, but I also turned 13 about a month after the show began, and I felt like I couldn't talk about a kid's show with my mature teenage classmates, which is dumb, kids. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah, just like what you like, children. You won't regret it. <laughs> yes. I feel like nowadays it's a little better for kids. Because oh, it's so much better. Of, yeah, because a lot of this stuff that we liked and were made to feel stupid about liking then it's it's now like the like the biggest thing now like look at marvel comics and and all that stuff yeah absolutely it's kind of wild when you think about it like i was always into like 
Japanese anime and stuff like that. <laughs> and uh, I like I go to the bookstore now and I like I see the shelves of comics and like I would have been salivating over that if I was like. 15 again right. and now it's like oh those are just all over the place oh i remember my <laughs> sister trading tapes and that net yeah now you can just find them at the barnes and noble yeah but, or youtube for free or, or youtube for free streaming channels so like what a time to be alive enjoy the glut of t- content everybody <laughs> <laughs> i remember when anime tapes were 40 bucks subtitled at vhs tapes were 40 bucks yes. subtitled at suncoast <laughs> for oh two dear. episodes for, yeah. yeah if you're lucky if exactly you're lucky. and oh. now it's like now look at it you can just find that stuff on crunchyroll yeah but no when i was 13 i was there believing a bunch of 13 year old children had active dating lives completely forgetting <laughs> that none of them could even drive anywhere and too nervous to bring up i like the green ranger he has a dagger that's also a trumpet uh, i will say that when they were promoting you know the mystery of the white ranger at lunch we were all buzzing over it <laughs> Like, who's or the White Ranger going to be? Who's oh, the White see. Ranger going to be? Man, I wish. Yeah. No. But on that note, Andre, favorite Ranger? Tommy. Yeah. Duh. Lindy? Trini. Good pick. Very good pick. <laughs> uh, no, I like Tommy better as the Green Ranger, though, and when he became the White Ranger. I I actually like him better as the White Ranger. Do you? Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's what we get in this episode. Yes. It's I'm Dreaming of a White Ranger. Which the White Ranger only came about because they basically ran out of Green Ranger footage. Oh, (laughs) makes so much sense. That's why he's always fighting. I'm over here by myself. Yeah, because, okay, so Power Rangers was an adaptation of uh, Zoo Ranger, which was Mm -hmm. um, the Super Sentai show from around that time. Um, Every year there's a new one. I'll just... So they took Zoo Ranger, which was dinosaur focused and um, used mined the suit footage for Power Rangers. When they ran out of that footage, they went to I want to say was Die Ranger. They, they use it for the Thunderzords. They used another series. And from that series, they got the um, they, they brought in the White Ranger. Okay. That we know. And then we're, so this episode is the, I think it's from Kaku Ranger because Rito, uh, the original Japanese version of Rito was from there. And this is after they had the ninja coins. Um, This is post movie. The movie is not canon, by the way, on the show. (laughs) Oh, it's not. It's not because, so the movie came out between seasons. Right. But when the new season began, they did their own version of how they got the ninja powers called Ninja Quest. And that involved, uh, you remember Ninjor, giant blue guy? Yep. yep. Yeah. Ninja. Yeah. So there was no Dulcea in the show. Huh. Yeah. And the Tengu Warriors were, I guess, like they explained them some, some other way. But yeah, the show is actually, the, the, the first movie was actually not canon. Interesting. Yeah, Ivan News is not is not in continuity. Well, so um, where was I going with that? I was talking I about how um, no, I was talking. Yeah, no, I was just uh, talking about the use how, of the White Ranger instead of the yeah. Green Ranger. 
every time you see a new you see new zords or new suits it's because they've run out of footage from that series and they have to get a new one that's why vr troopers was canceled because they didn't have enough <laughs> suit footage because one of the shows they they used for that metalder had a lot more footage of the guy in civilian clothes than they had actually oh. realized and so when they ran out of the robot footage they realized they couldn't you know womp womp yeah that was the uh, the the Achilles heel of Saban, <laughs> really. <laughs> Running out of uh, Japanese footage. Well, but tattooed they, teenage fighters from Beverly Hills never had that problem. They did not. And I'm not going to lie. I watched that, too. I, I watched it as well because I was yes. like, what is this? Another show like that? It came and on it was, right after Weird Science. Oh, yeah. It, it, <laughs> it was right. very not good. <laughs> So. If by not good, you mean great. <laughs> it was it was actually kind of funnier than I than I expected it to be, but it was also just like stupid looking as hell. It was the California dreams to uh, Mighty Morphin saved by the bell. Yes, it but it did have it did have the leaked uh, Glenn Shaddix as, oh. their, as their Zordon or Nimbar, who was like a big like pink blob. Big pink blob. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So. Yeah, that's why that's why we have the White Ranger. Because that's why we're just, dreaming of a White Ranger. That's why they did the Green Candle in the first place. Okay. Yeah, because in Zoo Ranger, the Green Ranger dies. Oh, well, okay. That explains yeah. quite a lot. Yes. So this is the 16th episode of the third season of what we know as Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, and it's the first televised Power Rangers Christmas episode. I emphasize televised because there was that aforementioned Alpha's Magical Christmas, which was direct-to-video, and that's a whole other episode for a whole other time, but I promise we'll get back to that some other year later <laughs> down the road. Yes. Uh, I do want to revisit that. I don't know that I do. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember watching this when I was younger, I don't know if I caught it that year, almost definitely as a rerun. It first aired on November 23rd, 1995, which was Thanksgiving Day. Uh, it was part of a block called the Fox Kids TV Takeover that would air every Thanksgiving morning before football started because Fox didn't have a parade to show. And I was watching the Philadelphia Thanksgiving Day Parade. Were you as well, Andre? Um. Yes. Yeah. Or the one year when I actually went, I can't remember. My mom told me a story of how she went one year and uh, saw the this one actor she loved from One Life to Live. Oh. Yeah. Always wanted to go to the parade. Never got out there. I was supposed to be in it collecting cans as a Cub Scout the one year I was a Cub Scout. And then it rained and we decided, no, we're not going. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Come on. That's what Scouts I are supposed to. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I've been camping in like a huge rainstorm. For real. Come on. But uh, I must have caught a rerun closer to Christmas, though. I should add, before the Thanksgiving airing, this episode was released directly to video as well in September. But most people buying Christmas videos in September are probably parents starting their shopping super early. And not giving it to their kids until Christmas. So between that and Thanksgiving Day parades, I'm pretty sure most people who watched this Power Rangers episode in 1995 were watching a rerun. Yeah. Well, also, you know, because it went straight to video, they had it in the tank. It's like the always sunny Christmas that was straight <laughs> to DVD, which is how they could, you know, 
how they were able to start saying the F word and stuff before they realized it's basic cable and they can do it anyway. Oh yeah. Yeah. But, um, but then they ended up editing it for TV and airing it as like a two-parter, I believe. Oh, all right. So yeah, like every, like, It'll never just stay direct, like exclusively on video forever. They'll they'll work it no. into the run. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but for this episode, I watched both versions and I found the video version has some extra scenes and different cuts in it. It was it was a weird experience to watch it and then watch it again with the added footage. I watched the VHS version. OK, that, good. Uh, you sent me. Yeah, that's the only one I watched. <laughs> OK, well, good. Uh, and we'll get to some of those differences as we go. But if you want to watch this for yourself, there is an official copy on YouTube. That's the shorter version that aired on TV. But if you add VHS to your YouTube search, you should hopefully find the direct-to-video version complete with commercials for other Power Ranger stuff at the beginning of the tape. I wasn't sure if we are going to w- talk about all those, so I watched all of it. And I felt really bad for myself. (laughs) I like that the commercials included one for the tape you're already watching, which was weird. Oh, that's such a trope. I remember from like directed or uh, VHS stuff. I must have DVD generation behind. Um, But they would like do just one stock commercial for any of the video releases. And it would just Mm -hmm. be on front regardless of that. If that was the one you were watching, it's like, (laughs) If you, if anybody wants a true glimpse into '90s media, that uh, that is definitely encapsulates as much children's media tropes as possible. <laughs> it was like watching like a weird catalog or marketing video, like okay. almost like it was yeah. like actually meant for video stores and not mm-hmm. like consumers. But it was on the VHS. It was just like, yeah, yeah, no, we're just gonna sell you everything. <laughs> and my God. Wow, it almost it almost made me miss, uh, miss the VHS era, but not quite. <laughs> no, I I don't miss all of that. I I don't miss the booming coming soon to theaters. Not none of that. I mean, I kind of miss that. <laughs> I'm glad it existed, and I'm glad people have ripped it onto YouTube. But I don't need it in my life when I'm actually sitting down and trying to have a movie night. <laughs> but, you know that there's some kid that owned this VHS that like watched that clip package and had it memorized like Ralphie from the Christmas story. <laughs> like, Oh, I got to get this video and those temporary tattoos. It's like all the kids who had the first Ninja Turtles movie on, on VHS and Me. memorized that pizza commercial. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, like that song, we can like quote it by memory. I play right field. It's important to know. You gotta know how to catch. You gotta know how to throw. That's why I play in right field. Way out where the dandelions grow. As a proud sponsor of Little League Baseball, Pizza Hut welcomes all the kids who make it great. Make it great. I played right field. (laughs) (laughs) See, mine was always the Diet Coke commercial from the beginning of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Let's choose. Choose wisely. Discover real cola taste with just one calorie. Diet Coke. Mine was the OnStar commercial featuring Batman and Alfred. I remember that commercial. (laughs) Just press the OnStar button, sir. Well done, Alfred. My pleasure, sir. OnStar, how can I help you, Batman? But yeah, this, uh, 
Yeah, let's jump into this. Yes. The episode proper opens at the old Angel Grove Youth Center slash gym slash juice bar with a choir of kids singing We Wish You a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Led by Aisha, who had become the Yellow Ranger a little over a year before this episode aired. So there's your timeline. Yeah, this this was after, um, should we kind of mention who, who the Rangers were at this point? Yeah. So Jason and Jason, Zach, and Trini had been written out of the show. Right. They were sent to a peace conference in Europe. That's right. Um, so they were replaced by Rocky. This is, I, and also this is just me going off, like off the top of my head. Um, yeah. I've, I've done no research. I just am really lucky. My fiance is still with me. <laughs> um, Cause I'm a huge nerd. So we had Rocky, the red Ranger. Yes. Um, Aisha, the yellow Ranger. And my favorite of the three, Adam, the black Ranger played by Johnny Young Bosch, who has gone on to become one of the best ever anime voice actors. Yes, we will get to him. I'm going to kind of introduce him as we meet them. So we'll start with Aisha. She is played by Karen Ashley. Thanks. The kids have been working really hard. Who, before this, she was a singer in a girl band called Crush with a K. There are periods in the name, so I'm guessing she was the K. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Uh, and after this, Karen had one-off roles on episodes of Hanging with Mr. Cooper and Keenan and Kel and the Steve Harvey Show. She's also a writer and producer, including something called The Order. The Order is um, uh, is actually a an unofficial Power Rangers reunion, uh, reunion movie. Yes, it looks like it's supposed to be The Expendables, but with former Power Rangers cast members. Yes. And it got crowdfunded, but it looks like it never really got going. Like a lot of projects. Yeah, well, it happens, but it looks like it was being co-written by her and David Fielding, who plays Zordon. That really would have been something. Yeah, it was like supposed to be like, you know, all the Power Rangers back or at least all the ones they could get. But with like violence and like, <laughs> like actual bloody violence. Oh, OK. Yeah. We're grownups now. Mm -hmm. uh, today she's leading a kids choir accompanied on guitar by Kimberly the Pink Ranger this is the first Christmas I've ever spent without my mom and it just seems really weird played by Amy Jo Johnson the first crush of many a young Power Ranger fan in the early 90s uh, she's also arguably the Power Rangers actor who has done the most outside of the show I would say so yeah uh, but here's something weird. Amy Jo Johnson can actually play the guitar, but it sounds like they re-recorded the guitar part. <laughs> and now the music I hear is not matching up with her playing on screen. Oh. Well, you know, like the mouth movements for Rita and Repulsa and Rito and Goldar <laughs> don't match up either. So why yeah, not the guitar? I guess. <laughs> right. But this is an on-earth scene. I don't know. At first, I thought they had her mime it, but I remembered, no, wait, she knows how to play. She writes music. She wrote songs for Felicity when she was on Felicity. Yes. I don't remember her character's name because every time I saw her on Felicity, I just thought, hey, it's the Pink Ranger. 
I don't remember her character's name either. And I, I used to, I think I watched the first season of Felicity largely because of her, but also because um, I was a big Mickey Mouse Club fan in the 90s and Carrie Russell. Oh, yeah. I keep forgetting she was in that Mickey Mouse Club cast. Yes. But Amy Jo Johnson is still acting and also directing. She's written and directed a number of films. Earlier in 2022, she directed an episode of the CW show Superman and Lois. Oh, really? I I kind of dropped off on Superman and Lois. I need to pick it back up. I haven't watched it, but I'm kind of interested now. I made, well, I shouldn't, no, I shouldn't say I made the mistake because it was well after, but the first step, like I watched the first episode and having been someone who recently lost a parent at that time, it uh, Mm -hmm. hit me harder than I was expecting to be hit. Oh, wow. I'll just put it that way. Well, all right. So Kimberly and Aisha are helping these kids practice for a holiday pageant at the youth center, but the boys are also here to help. Let's meet them. Walking in with a large potted poinsettia is Tommy, the titular White Ranger. So great to see the whole community getting into the holiday spirit. He's played by Jason David Frank, who may or may not be three small boys on each other's shoulders in a karate game. (laughs) He's Tommy Adultman. (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe I felt for Muppet Ranger. As of this recording, Jason David Frank is an eighth degree black belt, and that's just in karate. He's also, as of this recording, not in jail. Hey. (laughs) Well, that's one ranger who isn't. Yeah, I know. Guess when we're recording this. Uh, It's not going to air until July, so people probably forgot. Anyway. (laughs) Here's a reminder, guys. Yep. Uh, Yes. Jason David Frank knows several other martial arts styles, and he's still playing this same character as recently as 2018. Yeah, he never really, um, I don't want to say he never got past it. Um, no, he he always kind of stayed sort of, you know, close to the franchise. He yeah. showed up in reunion episodes. He was in that uh, big Forever Red episode with all the Red Rangers right. of Wild Force. And then he came back as the mentor and later Black Ranger on Power Rangers Dino Thunder. Yes, and uh, since 2004, he's been Dr. Tommy Oliver. Yes, yeah. He's a paleontologist now because dinosaurs. And then he did that trailer. Um, for, it was a trailer for a comic book event called Shattered Grid, which revolves around an alternate universe, an evil alternate universe, Tommy, who calls himself Lord Dracon. Oh, so he did. So I I want to say that was the last time he played Tommy was in that trailer. Okay. Yeah. Well, joining him, we have Rocky, the second Red Ranger. He's played by Steven Cardenas. We got to get to the North Pole and stop Zed. Also primarily a martial artist. He's a fifth degree black belt in Taekwondo and a black belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. We have Billy the Blue Ranger wearing his contact lenses this season. Oh, yeah. And it's nice to know that underprivileged kids will have a happy place to spend Christmas Eve. He's played by David Yost, who very unfortunately had to deal with crew members harassing him because he was gay to the point where he left the show the following season. I hate that that happened, but it sounds like he's doing much better now. I want to say it wasn't just crew members. Oh, lovely. Because I think I think he hinted at other actors, too. Okay. Yeah, his whole thing was really sad. They, I guess they yeah. um, tried to make him go to conversion therapy and stuff like that while he was on the show. Yeah, it's it's super gross. That's awful. I mean, the whole reason why the uh, 
Austin St. John and Dwight Trang and um, I cannot remember Zach's name, the actor's name, but Walter Jones. Thank you. Uh, the three of them left because of contract disputes because they were being like ridiculously underpaid for a series that was like making like a billion dollars in merchandising, and oh, yeah. they got oh, they, all were. they were they were non-union too, so they got oh. like lower than base pay. It was very, it, and they didn't all try to leave together, so they didn't really have as much negotiating power. They were just like, oh yeah, we could totally recast you because you know all the suit stuff is just reclips anyway. So. Right. Yeah. They uh, kind of all got the short end of the stick. It was kind of sad to hear about that years later. It's like, oh, that's not so fun, is it? No, but it, it makes sense because a lot of those shows, um, I mean, that sort of thing continues even to this day. Sadly. I can imagine. Yeah. But after Power Rangers, David Yost worked as an associate producer on Temptation Island. Remember that? Oh, God. <laughs> I remember it existed, yes. Yeah, that's about as much as I remember, too. Uh, but he also produced some episodes of The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, and he has co-founded a clothing company called Affirmative, and the company's logo is a Triceratops. Cool. And finally, we have Adam the Black Ranger. Yes! That sounded great, you guys. Thanks. Johnny Yongbosch, who, as Andre mentioned, is also a voice actor. He's done a lot of anime dubs, including Vash the Stampede from Trigoon. Yes, and he's also, uh, when they redubbed Akira, uh, Akira back in um, 2000, the early 2000s, he was, uh, they brought him in as Kaneda, and I'm not going to lie, he's far and away the best Kaneda. Oh, wow. Like, that to me is the definitive dub. Like the streamlined dub people loved because it was kind of so bad. It's good. But the pioneer <laughs> dub is actually really good. And he's a big part of that. Also, I met him once at a con and he was super nice. Oh, like, perfect. Super nice. I like when they're nice at cons. Yeah. He, uh, he has a band called I shine and they, they were playing there and I got to meet him after their, after they performed. And he was just like one of the nicest guys. And I was just like, Oh, Warms my heart. Yeah. Uh, The other things that stood out to me from his career is he's the English voice of Nero in the Devil May Cry video games. Cool. And in the Marvel versus Capcom series, he's Zero. Oh, nice. From Mega Man X. Yeah. Uh, Also in 2005, he directed an indie horror film called Devon's Ghost Legend of the Bloody Boy, co-starring Karen Ashley. Sweet. So... I should say, speaking of meeting Rangers, I did actually meet, get to meet um, Jason David Frank before. And he was also nice. Did you? Oh, good. Yeah. I got to interview him for uh, in, in a previous life that uh, you, you may be familiar with. Particularly <laughs> I, I mean, I am. But. <laughs> yes. Um, and then afterwards, um, I actually got to meet him in person. Um, but uh, yeah, he, he, he was also very nice. But Johnny Young Bosch was like, you know, kind of dreamy nice. <laughs> so. But what I'm noticing, mentioning that from the admittedly little research I've done for this, the Power Rangers past and present seem to be a fairly tight group. So you'll often see a few of them working together and other things when they do work together. Yeah, I've seen that. Okay. You kind of got to be to work on a show like that, getting paid very little and working like super long hours and then becoming this big hit sensation and having to do like all sorts of appearances. Oh, sure. I'm sure they spent so much time together and also being relatively young, like they were probably like in their early twenties when they, when they did the show, 
you know, it, it as a bonding process. Sure. And they sounds like they sort of built their own support system around each other, which is nice. Yeah. Uh, but that's all the Rangers in this one. They're all working at the youth center, you know, for a change. Singing practice is over, so the next order of business is putting a star on the tree, provided by the Youth Center's owner, Ernie. Here it is, guys. Christmas tree wouldn't be complete without it. Played by Richard Janelle, who, besides this show, has only two other credits on IMDb. An episode of In Living Color, and as a guard in the 1991 movie The Death Merchant, starring Lawrence Tierney. Ooh. That's right, Don Brodka. <laughs> Or Elaine's dad. Or Elaine's dad, yes. Richard Janelle left the show in 1997, later started a transportation company in Southern California, died in 2008, and he was 47. Yeah, I thought I, I, thought I, I knew that he died, yeah. So that, that's a shame, actually. It's it is. Young. Yeah, that, that's very young. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he is here to bring out the star for the top of the Christmas tree, and immediately Tommy's sad child sense starts tingling. And sure enough, there's a little girl sitting by herself and looking like she wishes she could be anywhere else right now. So Tommy asks her to help him put up the star. Hey, you're just the person I was looking for. Do you want to help me put the star on top of the tree? But I can't reach that high. Ah, come on. I think we can fix that. This little girl's name is Becky, and I could not find a name for this young actress, which I think goes back to your point of, of Saban paying these people very little and not even crediting any of the kids. Yeah. And like she, to my knowledge, um, outside of this episode, she never appears again on the show. No, yeah, nothing on IMDb. Just could not find this girl. Uh, she's yeah. probably our age now or in her late 30s, early 40s. None of the kids are credited in, the, in this I'd say they got paid in exposure, but I couldn't even find the kid's name. <laughs> They're never to get that SAG card. <laughs> yeah. So they got screwed, basically. They did. They credit every Tango Warrior at the end of this episode, not the kids. Oh, <laughs> uh, Laura, they were recruiting at malls or something. I guess so. So if you're yeah. out there, Becky, we salute you. Yeah, she did a good job, too. She did. Absolutely. Uh, And we have some more B-plots to set up now, so we quickly find out Kimberly is staying with Aisha's family for the holiday. It's the first Christmas she'll be spending without her mom, and who else heard that and thought her mom died? (laughs) I was trying to remember, but then I also, because, like, there's there's a comic... Um, there's a boom comic where it's, it's set after she leaves the show, but she's in, in France. Okay. So I'm like, no, wait. Yeah. I think her parents are in Europe or something. Yes. So, so there was this whole story arc. Her mother is moving to Paris where her new fiance is from, but Kimberly doesn't want to move. And ultimately Aisha and her parents offer her place to stay. That was very nice of them. It really was. Yeah. But after that, in walk the pride of the Angel Grove Junior Police Force. It's <laughs> Bulk and Skull. Please, please, please stop it. All this holiday spirit is giving me a big headache. Yeah, I forgot that they were cops that season. Yeah. It's so appropriate. <laughs> really? I actually love that Bulk and Skull had real character growth over the course of like the franchise. They did. It's so good. The way that they actually respect their character arc. Yeah. It's like, they start out as like these horrible bullies 
who I can hardly believe they are bullies because they're so like, you know, pathetic. Um, like, like, I mean, I can believe, I can't believe they're effective bullies and they become like actual, like good people by, you know, by season three. And I was like, Oh, you know, something that's actually like, they had a really good moment too. in uh, in the movie, which as we've said before, is not canon, but it was still a really nice moment where they're trying to save, you know, all the, you know, all the parents and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Accompanied, of course, by their trademark synth tuba entrance music. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Bulk, full name Farkas Bulkmeyer, is played by Paul Schreier. And Skull, full name Eugene Skullovich, is played by Jason Narvi. And both of these guys only have a few other credits sprinkled into their IMDb resumes that are not Rangers related. But Jason Narvi is an acting teacher now. Oh, is he? Yes. He'd be a good one too. Like he he acts his heart out in this entire run. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but thanks to Jason David Frank's hiatus before his eventual return, Bulk and Skull are the longest running continuous characters in this franchise. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> actually, no, because when did they actually like? Didn't they outlast him on Turbo? I think they might have. Now that you yeah. mention it, because they went through space and they showed up. Oh, what was the other one? They they showed up at, at the pilot of another one. My son has started getting into watching them on Netflix, or he did like during quarantine, and he breezed through a lot of them. But he liked to skip around. I, I found out he liked to watch the pilot episodes where the Rangers become the Rangers. He likes a good origin story, my kid. No, those are usually the, you know, those are pretty strong episodes. I like those, you know, obviously. Because um, you start, like, getting deep into it, and then just there's a stretch where it just gets repetitive before, yeah. you know, actual plot stuff happens right in the middle. There you go. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, but in 2017, Paul Schreier finally got to play a legit ranger himself. Not his bulk. He was the voice of Jack, the Yellow Ranger in Power Rangers Hyperforce, which is a tabletop RPG streamed on Twitch. Yeah, I actually remember that uh, being a thing. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, also, was, um, the first was... male Yellow Ranger. Yes. I was like, wait a second. Um, well... As far as Power Rangers goes, um, <laughs> funny story in Zoo Ranger, the Yellow Ranger is a man, which is why in Mighty Morphin, only the Pink Ranger has the skirt. Has the skirt. Yes. Um, yeah, I was like, I heard about that Hyperforce and I was like, is that an actual game or are they just taking an existing system and like, mm. you know, but I, for some reason, I, I cannot for the life of me actually watch like streaming tabletop RPGs. Like I can play them. I just can't watch. It's it's hard for me to watch people play games. Yeah, it's like it's like watching a let's play on YouTube. I can only get so far. Yeah. I'm just watching other people I'm like, well, I'm I'm gonna go play a game now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Bulk and Skull, they're junior cops in this, and yep. Uh they're here to awkwardly kiss Kimberly under some mistletoe. Tommy just helped her hang. And to do community service by playing Santa for the kids. And they're not looking forward to that at all. And yeah, in this case, it's because there are a couple of grumpy bullies who hate children. But I don't think I'd want to play Santa either. I wouldn't even want to be one of the elves. I don't think I could handle that. I actually did play Santa once. 
did you? How was it? Um, it was actually fine. I was a little nervous about it at first. Uh, my dad at uh, one point owned a daycare center and convinced me to do it. I did not get paid. It was a favor for dad. It was a favor for my dad. Yeah. Um, and the kids were all right. Yeah, they were they were fine. Um, my dad had a dog at the time named Ewok, and we put like a an elf costume and a hat on him, and it was it was like super cute. I, I called him my rain dog, even though he wasn't really wearing any like antlers. Dog, more like an elf dog. There you go. But um, it, it was actually like I, you actually start to get into it and start to actually. It's almost like if the Christmas spirit is an actual thing. That is probably one of the most direct ways to feel it because it's like you're, you're talking to these kids and, you know, you know, it's, it's still real to them. Damn it. (laughs) You know, after a while you just start to almost kind of believe yourself and it's just, uh, and you get into the character and it's a really cool thing. Yeah. You, um, you are Santa. Yeah, and that's actually like even talking about it now is actually kind of moving. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I can I can tell you, um, it's really it's a really uh, fun experience. Well, I'll give it a chance. I, I need a few more gray hairs if I want to do the natural beard route, but we can fake it in the meantime. <laughs> Meanwhile, in space, that's right. I almost forgot. This is a show about fighting evil aliens. And those evil aliens are led by the evil inside-out meat carcass demon, Lord Zed. Merriment and togetherness make me ill. Every year for centuries, these nauseating earthlings get together and celebrate the holidays. But this year is going to be different. Yes. Lord Zed's voice is provided by Robert Axelrod, who was also the voice of Finster on the show. But Finster's not here, so they can't just sculpt a Christmas-themed monster and make it grow. So Robert Axelrod has a very long list of voice credits, a lot of anime dubs. If you watched Digimon, he's the voice of Armadillomon and Wizardmon. Uh, He apparently voiced Brainy Smurf in an American dub of that Smurfs in the Magic Flute movie. I remember that movie. Yeah. And it was different voices for that one. And he was Brainy Smurf, apparently. It's weird. Died in 2019. Oh, no. Uh but the actor who's actually in the Lord Zed suit is Edwin Neal, the hitchhiker from the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, snap. <laughs> yep. Life comes at you fast. And joining Lord Zed is his lovely bride, Rita Repulsa. Ah, uh, give me a break. You say that every year. How would you know? We've only been married for a year, though it seems like centuries. And do you know why they had to do give her the makeover and make her look younger? Ran out of footage again? Yes. <laughs> they ran out of Bandora footage from yep. uh, from Zoo Ranger. Yes. But they wanted to bring her back. So they uh, so they just said, oh, no, she, she's going to get a makeover. Now she looks younger and she can land uh, Lord Zed. Yep. Here we go. So, yes, not portrayed by an overdubbed Machiko Soga, but by Carla Perez, who is known for this. Uh, But the voice is Barbara Goodson. We mentioned her a couple of episodes ago. She was the voice of Buttons the Bear in the Christmas Tree Train. And when I found out she was the voice of Rita, I think that's when I said, oh, I've got to talk about Power Rangers. So (laughs) thanks, Barbara Goodson. Uh, I believe she comes. um, She does come back 
actually in Power Rangers Mystic Force. As the, that's right. As the mystic, as it turns out, Rita Rita is reformed and has become the mystic mother. Yes. So yes. they do have Machiko Soga back for that too, I think. No, no, because she wasn't in no, because she wasn't in um Maji Ranger. Oh, okay. This was, this was totally a uh a um an American like thing where they just brought Rita back. I think it was still Barbara Goodson doing the voice. Absolutely. Yes. She's still around. Uh, do y'all remember when the show first made the switch to the new footage of Rita and her voice suddenly matched her lips moving? <laughs> it's weird that that still throws me off. Despite the fact that she's still being dubbed. Right. Like, hey, you're not supposed to really speak English. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Lord Zed's gripe with Christmas is basically the same as the Grinch's. He spends ages looking down on people he hates, having a good time every December, and he's tired of it, so he's going to ruin their Christmas. But instead of stealing it, Lord Zed's plan is to take over Santa's workshop and force his elves to make a toy of his own design, the Hypnospin. It's a glowing battling top with a power to brainwash any child who looks at it. Put one under every Christmas tree and Lord Zed would theoretically have an entire planet's worth of tiny winter soldiers ready to comply. So he basically wants to hijack Santa and create mind control dreidels. Wow, they do (laughs) kind of look like dreidels now that you mention it. Yeah. I was thinking that this is not far from what Pinky and the Brain would try to do a year after this special with his stuffed mice. The noodle noggin. Uh, but again, they don't have Finster around for whatever reason to make them a festive Yule monster. So they're going with this. Lord Zed needs to send someone else to the North Pole to take over Santa's workshop. And that someone else is Rito Revolto. An original creation like Ricky Rouse and Monald Muck. <laughs> you know, Ed, this isn't such a bad idea. Kind of like this thing. It's Santa! You mental marshmallow. Well, not like I said, not entirely original because the actual like, unlike Zed, who was actually created for Power Rangers, Rito was a character from I, I want to say Kaku Ranger. Okay, that, uh, that they plucked for uh, for this. Got it. Uh, in this canon, he's Rita Repulsa's brother, which makes way more sense by their names than it does when you look at the both of them. Yes. Because Rito is the aforementioned big skeleton warrior half-painted in camouflage. I don't know who's in the suit, but the voice of Rito is Bob Pappenbrook doing his best New York cab driver impression. <laughs> uh, he actually voiced a lot of the monsters in, in Power Rangers, as well as two of its Saban brethren, Big Bad Beetleborgs and VR Troopers. I, I can never get into Big Bad Beetleborgs. No, me neither. No. But Bob Pappenbrook's first credited voice role is not a good one at all. He provided the voiceover for the indigenous people who chase Indiana Jones at the beginning of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Really? Apparently so. And that really is Revolto. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Uh, Yes, that is that is correct. Uh, Bob Pappenbrook died in 2006. Oh, Uh, Well, back on the one place on Earth, the evil space monsters on the moon seem to focus on. Aisha and Kimberly direct the kids' choir for the Hanukkah portion of our holiday pageant. Oh, Hanukkah, oh, Hanukkah, come light the menorah. Let's have a party, we'll all dance the whole 
And here, even more so than last time, Kimberly's guitar playing does not match the audio. <laughs> I didn't even notice. I don't know why. Probably, I don't know. This is where I first realized, like, she knows how to play. Let her play the song. Maybe they just, um, I don't know. Maybe she re-recorded it and wasn't watching herself. Yeah. But that's the best uh, explanation that, uh, that available really honestly. Yeah. Unless she's listening <laughs> and can, <laughs> and can uh, email or something. Sure. Like, yes. Know. No, I don't have that kind of reach, but <laughs> joining the choir this time is Becky, the sad girl from earlier and her mood has not improved. Uh, Aisha makes a point to remind the kids to smile while they sing, but she just will not. Something's really bothering her, and we find out she's upset because no one's coming to watch her sing that night. We'll find out more details in a bit, but first, let's go to the North Pole, where it appears to be a bright, sunny afternoon. Never mind that at the North Pole, the sun sets in September. (laughs) Yeah. It's just a sunny Lake Tahoe cabin for Santa. <laughs> That's what it looked like. You know, you know why I didn't notice the guitar thing? Why not? It's the same reason I was willing to overlook the North Pole bit. I guess so. Because they just don't, you know, they're, they're not details people. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Inside, Santa's elves are hard at work. The VHS copy actually extends this by almost a minute. Just, just a montage of Santa's elves doing Santa's elf stuff. And I wish they hadn't because it was long enough as it was. It, yeah. Bet you the elves are at least SAG members. <laughs> so they don't get credited either. But in walks Santa to check in on his number one elf, named Number One. Oh, how's everything going, Number One? Not so good, Santa. We're a little behind schedule. Oh, you'll worry too much. We'll be done on time. We always are. Uh, Santa Claus is played by Robert Von Fliss, who has four credits on IMDb, and they are all as Santa Claus. Oh, wow. He's a lifer. So uh, as far as I'm concerned, we found the real Santa. Uh, He shows up in this VR Troopers, another Saban show, Masked Rider. Which we mentioned earlier. Yep. And the late 90s infomercial darling JJ the Jet Plane. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I should reiterate again, Masked Rider was awful. Not only was it just bad on its own, but they actually like adapted one of the worst common writer shows, Black RX. Oh, wow. I had never even heard of it. Um, I don't remember it. They actually spun it off of Power Rangers. Oh, did they? Remember the episode where the where the Rangers have to help the Masked Rider against Count Dragon? Sounds familiar now that you mentioned Count Dragon. It was a backdoor pilot. Oh, it was a backdoor pilot for for Masked Rider, the series, Um, which, again, garbage. (laughs) Imagine if they actually went ahead with that Dwight spinoff. Yeah, it was was bad. Uh, But according to the Ranger wiki, which exists, uh, the number one elf is actually a secret cameo. It's apparently Romy J. Scharf, the original actress who played Alpha 5. Really? Oh, wow. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, she was not in the alpha suit in this season. That is Sandy Selner. Uh, and the dubbed in voice for number one is Wendy Lee, the original voice of Faye Valentine from Cowboy Bebop. The English voice, I should say. Big voice acting favorite. 
in uh, in the uh, anime community. Yeah, the the that stood out to me. Also, Bulma and Dragon Ball and Kay and Akira. And here is where Rito Revolto enters with a troop of Tango Warriors. They're like the earlier putties if they evolved into birds who surround Santa and number one as we page turn white back to Earth as Kimberly catches up with Becky outside the juice bar. Still very upset to the point where she feels the need to apologize for, quote, ruining everything for everyone. And Kimberly doesn't even stop to tell her that's not the case. You know, I I hate when... I apologize for something or I that I'm actually kind of thinking, oh, you, you know, I'm, I'm just being self-deprecating. And then but but no one's like, oh, no, you didn't. No, you're not. They're like, nah, that's fine. I'm just like, oh, so you, so so I, so I am being terrible. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I did ruin everything. Yes, child, your feelings are valid. You are awful. at everything. <laughs> Like, listening to kids without interrupting is an important life skill, but letting them know they didn't ruin everyone's Christmas is also an important thing they need to know. I mean, sometimes they do ruin Christmas. (laughs) Sometimes, but not in this case. You know, she needs to just fuck up or something. I guess so. (laughs) Becky explains she's upset because her dad has to work and is going to miss her pageant. So Kimberly certainly understands having to be away from her mom, too. And she reassures Becky and encourages her to tell her dad that what would really make her happy is to be able to spend more time with him. So they hug. They walk back inside. See, this sounds like code for Becky doesn't know how the world works. No. Well, (laughs) oh, boy. It's Angel Um, Grove. That's true. And, you know, it is. It is, it is kind of sad, you know, her, her, she wants her, her father works really hard and yeah, but she really, she really wants him to just be more present. And, um, that's, that's very understandable. It's, uh, it's very relatable. We don't have Mr. T here to say, man, your parents sure sound mean working hard so they can afford to give you a nice Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it's, it actually is, is pretty relatable. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. Uh, They hug. They walk back inside where Tommy is conveniently waiting for Kimberly under the mistletoe when. Oh, man. Tommy's ringtone plays to let him know he's got a call from Zordon who tells them they need to get to the command center immediately. And here's where the issue of the Power Rangers not doing that great of a job attempting to hide their secret identities comes in. Usually they go out into a hallway and start talking to their watches and make sure the coast is clear before they teleport here. They don't even leave the room. Yeah. It's funny. I've been watching a lot of Kamen Rider, like I said before. And even though the main character Takeshi Hongo is trying to keep his identity a secret from this one girl, because he doesn't want her to know that she's a, that he's a cyborg and whatnot. He's like super, not good at keeping a secret identity. (laughs) Like, it's not like it's like he's as Hongo. He is very engaged in fighting Shocker, the bad guys, oh. and he and he also like fights these guys like like a superhero could fight them, even even not wearing a costume or whatever. So it's like, how can people not put two and two together and figure out he's common writer? It's like, why are these guys, why are these kids who have been explicitly told 
that they cannot reveal their identities. It was there in the first episode. Right. And they're being super cavalier about it. Yeah. They used to be a lot more careful. You could argue their color coordinated outfits would be a big giveaway, but I can buy people just not paying attention to what some teenagers at the juice bar are wearing. Yeah. They're busy doing activities. Aside from Bulk and Skull, who've always been like super nosy about the Rangers. Yeah. It's a good thing they're dumb. Yeah, right. But <laughs> yeah. but I guess no one noticed them magically disappear from 10 feet on the other side of the room. They were all engaged, you know? I it's guess like, so. Got a party to prepare. That's right. Party's over, Goldar! So fun, so fun. We turn it on! Who's number one? Come on! This holiday season, look for I'm Dreaming of a White Ranger coming to home video. Merry Christmas, Tommy. Merry Christmas. Yet it also comes with a special free holiday ornament. This holiday season, Alpha 5's having a magical event that brings the Power Rangers together with kids from around the world in Alpha's Magical Christmas. Join me and the Power Rangers for music that will make your holidays more phenomenal. Plus, look for Lord Zed's Holiday Humbug read and sing-along audio tape and book. Entertaining kids. Uh, and now we're at the command center, which in real life is the house of the book at the Brandeis Barden campus of American Jewish University in Simi Valley, California. I know that. Designed in 1973 by Sidney Eisenstadt, the building's very science fiction-y design has also been the filming location for Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, and The Lawnmower Man, and Tenacious D in the Pick of Destiny, and the music video for Marilyn Manson's The Dope Show. Star Trek VI is a very good movie. Yes, that and, and this are probably the most iconic use of that building. But inside, trapped in his time warp energy tube, is Zordon. I mentioned earlier, it's David Fielding's bald, blurry face we see. His voice this season is provided by Robert Manahan. Rito Revolto has taken over the North Pole. He's captured Santa and is forcing the elves to mass-produce Lord Zed's evil Christmas toy. Who also worked as a sound mixer on the show and a bunch of other series before he died in 2000. Okay, that makes a lot of sense, because when I saw Zordon, I was like, I feel like they ran out of footage on this one as well. They're just using the same stuff. Oh, it's just the same. He shakes his head like twice and it's they recycle that <laughs> in the same episode. Yeah, um, Zordon, I think they just kind of just shot like however, you know, whatever they did early on and just were like, OK, we don't really need you anymore. Just kept it going. Yeah, we don't need to do this more than once. Let's blur his mouth so he can say whatever he wants. Boom, done. So Zordon informs the Rangers that Rito Revolto has taken over the North Pole and forcing Santa and his elves to mass produce Lord Zed's evil toy. But before he sends the Rangers to save Santa, there's a catch this time. Though Alpha can teleport them to Santa's workshop, apparently their morphine powers won't work there due to a combination of the North Pole's unique polarity and a cross current of holiday magic. Oh, no. You know what this means. What does this mean? You know. Santa can't get direct TV. <laughs> Say it with me. They ran out 
of footage. Of footage. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have footage of the Rangers in the snow. No, they don't have. I don't think there was a holiday. Later, uh, Super Sentai series did have Christmas episodes. And even like, I know Toei has produced Christmas episodes of other series. Like I remember seeing Kamen Rider Christmas episodes. Mm-hmm. But uh, I guess this one, they didn't really have anything um, that would work there. Because they were they were Pazoo Ranger. This was a uh, Kaka Ranger. Okay. Well, whatever. They they just didn't have any corresponding Christmas footage. So I guess like, not. Yeah, we'll just uh, do a thing. You know, we'll we make need, it work. Yeah, we don't need actual Power Rangers. But it also means Santa's magic is geological science. It's canon. But that got me thinking about a theory I don't hear talked about a lot. Perhaps because of what Zordon calls this cross current of holiday magic. Santa's workshop may not be located at the geographical North Pole, but moves with the constantly shifting magnetic North Pole. Would this explain why it's sunny and uh, not entirely like covered with snow and the rangers don't get flash frozen the moment they teleport there? Possibly. Uh, and as it turns out, there's history to back that up. So the first published work to set the location of Santa's workshop at the North Pole was in 1879 by cartoonist Thomas Nast, who depicted it as being on a snowy landmass at the center of the Aurora Borealis, which at that time of year, at that time of day, was localized entirely on an island in the Canadian Arctic. May I see it? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It's on Wikipedia. So, I'll put it in the show notes. Go ahead, Lindy. <laughs> so what you're saying is that Santa contributes to global warming? No, he's got to <laughs> he's got to finagle around global warming. Uh, that could also be why we can't permanently map where Santa Claus lives. Can we call it steamed warming? <laughs> there it is. Steamed Earth. Yes. I mean, it's uh, it's more of an Albany expression. But. Yeah, well, it's a cross current of holiday magic. That's also science. And that's why the Power Rangers will have to take on the giant skeleton and his evil bird monster friends all by themselves. And while they are accomplished martial artists, we've seen how well they do by themselves against a bunch of putties. Yeah, fair to Midland. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but according to Tommy, that's a chance they'll have to take because Santa is way too important. Darn right. Yes. And according to Ranger Wiki, this is one of, if not the only episode ever to not feature the Power Rangers in their power suits. Because it's an episode they did on the cheap to rush out for Christmas. That's right. Yes. Uh, and oh, one more thing before they go. In the VHS cut, there's an extra scene in which the Rangers get a very special greeting in Zordon's viewing globe. Oh, yeah. This was like so gratuitous. So gratuitous. And it makes no sense, which I'll explain in a bit. But it's their friend Cat who, spoilers, becomes the next Pink Ranger in a later episode. Hi, everyone. I'm sorry I can't be there with you. Ah, don't worry about it. You just have yourself a great Christmas with your family. I will. I'll miss you all. We'll miss you, too. Take care who also previously was like brainwashed by Zed and tried to destroy them. So yeah, the time, the the, the timeline is very muddy here. Yeah. So according to this, Kat is spending Christmas with her family in Australia. She's played by Catherine Sutherland. 
Yes, Catherine Sutherland, who has a small handful of other non-Power Rangers-related credits, including a small role in the 2000 film The Cell with Jennifer Lopez. Ooh. Uh, I totally forgot about Kat. Um, she, like you said, she became the second Pink Ranger after uh, Kimberly, after Amy Jo Johnson left the show. Um, the character would also go on to have a relationship with Tommy. Um, and she was pink Ranger all the way through until the middle of turbo when she and Tommy left. Apparently the character eventually marries Tommy. So Tommy and Kimberly aren't in game. (laughs) Nope. Not anymore. No, she, uh, that, that Dr. Tommy Oliver that comes back later is married to cat. Because they couldn't shell out enough Ramey Joe Johnson. I guess not. No, see? Yeah. I mean, it, I guess maybe he's just into the suit more than the person actually in the suit. Oh, could be. Maybe. It's weird because Kimberly comes back in the uh, Turbo movie. She does. Yeah. Uh, along with Jason. But there's never a, there's never any real awkwardness about, you know, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm dating Kat now because she's the Pink Ranger. I'm sorry. That's what you get for having to go compete in the Pan Global Games, which I guess the is the public domain Olympics. Yeah. Or the Ted Turner equivalent or something. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the Goodwill, oh, the games. Goodwill Games. Uh, it's just as well because Turbo is a horrible movie anyway. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I saw Turbo. Uh, good. You're very fortunate. <laughs> like, okay, Muddy Morphin Power Rangers, the movie, surprisingly fun. It was yeah. much better than any of us expected to be. Turbo, steaming garbage pile. Noted. Yes. I will avoid it at all costs now. But Except that it is in canon. Okay. Sadly, yes. Well, well this appearance of Cat makes no sense in continuity to Anyone who happened to watch this video the day it was released anyway. So this video came out a month before Kat's first appearance on the show. In which, remember, she was a bad guy. Well, she was brainwashed. She wasn't a bad guy, but she was acting as one. Uh, And given the ability to transform into a literal cat. Yeah. Yeah, she was. Wow. Actually, that's that's weird. I didn't even realize that. They filmed that they released that before her actual in-show appearance. They did. but. If they kept this scene in the version that aired on TV on Thanksgiving, it wouldn't work there either because no, it it's after Kimberly leaves. Yeah. So that's why they cut it. Yeah. But I guess they were counting on most people getting this as a Christmas gift, having already met Kat and seen her befriend the Rangers. And I guess also counting on kids not paying attention to the story arc timeline. So fine. Merry Christmas, Kat. Yeah. You know, it's like the Roger Myers theory, you know, that's why you that's why you're kids, because you're stupid. (laughs) (laughs) So Alpha transports the Rangers to the North Pole, which is traditionally a very cold place. But the only person I saw put on another layer to bundle up is Aisha, who puts on a jacket. I thought Kimberly had like a jacket, too. I I thought she teleported with one. Yeah, like she didn't have one when she left. The command center, but when she shows up at the North Pole, she's wearing. Oh, it. you're right. Okay. Yeah. But she bundled up before then. They get there, they should suddenly be super cold. Aisha's the only one who actually puts on another layer. Yeah. But fine. It's bright and sunny. I think it's only Billy who complains of like how how cold it is. Cause he's the smart one. Yeah. I'm like, okay, this is 
I guess it must be holiday magic then. <laughs> there it is. Yep. Yeah. They peek inside the workshop to find Santa tied up with a gift wrap and one of those bow ribbons stuffed in his mouth. Like you do. Yes. Well, evil aliens, especially in this show, love themed punishment. Yes. They call it ironic punishment. Ironic and, um, punishment. And, and, you know, in hell. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so you like donuts? <laughs> so you like tinsel? <laughs> so not only can't the rangers use their powers, Adam points out they couldn't just charge in and attack if they wanted to because Santa and the elves could get hurt. This is why I love Adam. He's the voice of reason. That's right. And he's a frog. <laughs> and he's a frog. <laughs> yes. I'm a frog. I'm a frog. We're shifting back to the VHS cut for a few scenes. The first one actually does make it to air, but they shoved it in over the end credits for some reason. But Rito, now festively wearing Santa's hat, has a very familiar conversation with a couple of defiant elves about what it really takes to do their jobs. Holiday spirit. So what? You wrap your little gifts and get them out. The holiday spirit isn't Uh, something you can touch, taste, or even play with. It's something you feel inside. And it's the best feeling there is. Sounds like the flu to me. And how, pray tell, do you get it? You get it by doing something nice. What? Without expecting something in return. Out of the kindness of your heart. Who that rules me out? I have no heart. This is the same scene from He-Man and Shira's Christmas special. Oh, yeah, it is when those little Earth children taught Skeletor the true meaning of Christmas. Right down to the big evil skeleton being disgusted by the idea of being nice. Yeah. Yeah. I am not nice. (laughs) (laughs) I hate being nice. (laughs) Oh, And the second scene cut from TV, now that the Rangers are spying on Rito, someone else is spying on the Rangers. It's Goldar who goes to inform Lord Zed, who's enjoying his favorite snack, taquitos and dry ice. Come look at this. Not while I'm enjoying my favorite snack, taquitos and dry ice. But Rito's weakening. Ridiculous. You're a bigger bonehead than my brother-in-law. Like you do. What? (laughs) I mean, he's like, uh, remember, he's like a skinless muscle uh, demon. Yeah. You can take it. Skinless muscle demons got to eat. Yeah. Rita's no cook. Yeah. (laughs) He's holding the taquito like a cigar and the dry ice is in a tall smoking goblet. I feel like Lord Zed should be wearing a smoking jacket. He really should. Complete the ensemble. Yes. Uh, Inside the Goldar suit is stunt actor Danny Wayne Stallcup, who's currently a stunt coordinator who's worked on some recent shows I don't normally consider as requiring a lot of stunts, like Fuller House and Girl Meets World and the reboot of Will and Grace. I mean, you know, Pratt Falls are still technically, I guess, stunts. I guess so. He's like the Pratt Fall guy. He's the Prattfall teacher. Yeah, I mean, safety is paramount on, on any production. So Absolutely. You, you would need someone who can do that sort of thing. And he's your dude. Yeah. Uh, but the voice of Goldar is Kerrigan Mahan, who apparently accompanied Frank Welker in voicing Tim Allen's reindeer in the Santa Claus. Ooh. So uh, also a Christmas experience there. Yeah. Uh, so now Zed sends Goldar down to help Rito deal with the Rangers. And the last scene cut for time is back at the youth center where Ernie offers some kids hot chocolate while they wait for Santa. 
and it seems some people are starting to notice six regulars at the youth center are suddenly missing, including Becky, who asks junior officers Bulk and Skull if they've seen Kimberly. Hey, I'll tell you what, little girl. We're going to go outside and uh, wait for Santa. <laughs> we'll tell him about Kimberly, and uh, I'm sure he'll help us find her. Okay? Back at the North Pole, Billy concludes that if the Rangers' powers don't work there, neither must the bad guys' powers. It's a very risky theory. It is. Uh, so Aisha and Kimberly sneak inside the workshop to inform Elf Number One of their plan, which is just invite Rito outside. Power Rangers. Why don't you come outside and see what we've brought you? Hey, Power Rangers, come back here! Very complicated. Look, they're 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 uh, they're professionals. They know what they're doing. They're working with what they got. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he does follow the girls outside. The rest of the Rangers reveal themselves, and Rito tries to zap them with his laser sword. And it's a good thing Billy was right. And the laser beam just kind of bloops onto the ground. Yeah. If <laughs> otherwise, <laughs> they otherwise down they're the all dead. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and then, out of confusion, Rito stares down the barrel of his sword, which, all right. Then Goldar shows up. He also has a sword, but it's too late. The Rangers begin to attack by throwing snowballs at the monsters with swords. I guess they're not used to snow? I don't know. They have swords. Go stab them. <laughs> well, this is a children's show. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's the actual reason, but come on. Yes. But now Rito and Goldar retreat back inside the workshop because they're getting pelted with snowballs. Uh, and inside, the elves have rigged a tripwire out of ribbon. And when the Tanga Warriors try to help up Rito and Goldar, the rest of the elves throw buckets of marbles on the floor. And that's the end of the battle. Yeah, it, it was. Uh, it was sad. <laughs> it was just sad. We live in a post-Home Alone society where monsters who brought swords to a snowball fight trip once and lose. See, this is the sort of thing that, like, you know, I mentioned that by, by this point, this is what, season three, so I must be like a freshman in high school now. I don't watch Power Rangers for, like, you know, seeing the characters do some weak uh, Christmas-themed diehard stuff, <laughs> uh, which in itself was Christmas-themed. Uh, yes. I'm watching for, like, giant robots and and, like, costumes and like cool like dated optical printed special effects and like you know miniatures and crap I, i'm watching it for the good stuff so this is just like a letdown <laughs> it would it would have been it i mean even now it was a letdown it would have been a total letdown at the time you know this is basically like going into home alone like expecting home alone and getting three ninjas like knuckle up <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I would complain. Well, I might complain, but knuckle up. No, knuckle up. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I mean, you're not getting like the original three ninjas, which is at least, you know, cheesy enough to be fun. And you're not getting like high noon to mega mountain, which is at least bad enough to be, you know, kind of entertaining. Yeah, at least. But even with the first three ninjas, we were all watching like, hey, they're doing home alone. Yeah, but it was kind <laughs> of fun. Um, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of people who also punched their siblings in the gut thinking they could do karate just like the three ninjas. <laughs> <laughs> Light up the eyes. Uh, 
in the gut. Uh, I think you're aiming a little too high. <laughs> uh, I mean, then, I had a sister. <laughs> yes. Oh wait, no, that was that was one of the uh, the the uh, no, yeah, the gut was also one of the parts. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I, I I definitely agree that it's like you've thrown into the Power Rangers to watch them in suits and with their swords and all the stuff. You don't get like a weird like in-person action thing it's is you do feel a little cheated (laughs) yeah it's like if you're already aware this show is kind of cheesy but there's like something about it that you really like and you turn it and you tune into an episode and nothing in that episode is what you actually wanted it's like getting coal in your stocking yeah and then and then tommy calls alpha who teleports goldar and rito back to space Hang on, that was an option? (laughs) They really... It's a really bad cop. (laughs) This whole time, you can do that. You can just teleport people back to Zed and Rita. You don't need the Power Rangers. You just need them to stand still for a minute. (laughs) A wizard did it. A wizard did it. (laughs) So back they go to Zed and Rita, who gives us a very quick bah humbug. Bah humbug! Meanwhile, despite the Rangers having won the war on Christmas, Elf Number One says, Don't celebrate yet. Thanks to wasting time making those hypno spins, they're even more behind schedule than they were before. And at this point, she says it would take a miracle to finish on time. But Santa reassures her Christmas is the time for miracles. Ho, 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 ho. Santa doesn't pay overtime is basically what he's saying there. <laughs> That's right. You, did any of you ever, um, you, you've seen Santa Claus the movie, right? Oh, yeah. You know how they explain how it's like Christmas Eve is like lasts as long as possible for Santa to, you know, do his thing. Yeah. Old big long beard Burgess Meredith explains it. Yeah. Um, Time will follow you. Yeah. They could have just used that. <laughs> they could have. Yeah. It makes sense. You know, holiday magic. Why not? Sure. Uh, And the Rangers offer to stay and help. And we get a montage of Rangers and elves and Santa all throwing wrapped boxes at each other in a frenzied hot potato assembly line. You know, just like when you help your friends move, you're just throwing boxes at each other until one of you is close to the moving truck. Yeah, I've uh, I've moved a few too many times lately, and uh, it's been hugely stressful for everyone who's tried to help except this last time we paid people like we actually hired like actual movers but that's a good um, idea uh moving is terrible i just want to say that <laughs> so yeah this is kind of like that yeah don't miss it yeah uh, but santa compliments the rangers on a job well done and how much good they've done in their young lives I should note the Ranger Wiki entry for this episode includes a note that Santa notes the secret identities of the Rangers, likely due to always knowing who has been naughty or nice. It's Santa. He knows when you're awake. Yeah, that tracks. He knows everyone's secret identity. He lives next door to Superman. (laughs) Wait, I thought Superman. No, yeah, you're right. The yeah, no, the fortress is in the Arctic. Yeah. Oh, good. I was making sure I'm like, wait, it's the North Pole, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, then Billy points out they still have a big box of hypno spins the elves made sitting in a big box with Lord Zed's letter Z icon on it. Did Rito make them paint a giant storage box? 
either that or he just brought his own, you know? Could be. I think he made, I think he probably just painted it himself. He did. He was bored. We don't actually see him arrive. We just see him. Santa turns around and there he is. But yeah. Or whatever. Santa says, leave those to him. The Rangers had better get back to Angel Grove. And he gives Tommy a big bag of toys to bring with him for all the kids at the party. Then we see Santa does take care of the big box of hypnospins by sending them back to Lord Zed with a big old novelty card that reads, If you start working very hard right now, perhaps by this time next year, you'll find something more under your tree. Merry Christmas. Oh, why that impudent oversized imp? I'm sorry, this, this this episode. Oh my god, this episode is like Santa's giving Lord Zed a chance to redeem himself <laughs> with the old uh Frosty the Snowman punishment line. I mean, I appreciate that because that's what Santa's all about. Sure. Um like as Christmas as as Christmas specials go, it's just like I don't think I'd have liked this one then. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you don't want to hear weird cutaways of Zed and Rita having like a weird, bad comedy marriage in between <laughs> no actual action. Uh, I, that uh, part's uh, nice. Uh, yeah, that part's fine, I guess. Rita, you open it. Me? Oh, all right. Since you never get me anything, at least I get to open one present this year. They're disgusted here. And Rito, just like Skeletor, seems to have gotten a case of the Christmas spirit, and he gives Goldar a present. You mean, this is for me, Goldar? Happy holidays, you big lug! We don't get to see what it is, so what do y'all think Rito gave Goldar for Christmas? What's in the box? (laughs) (laughs) We're missing an elf! I mean, that was actually going to be what my guess. Um, I don't know. Probably. Uh, I don't know. I'll go with a massaging pillow from the sharper image. You know, he gets nice. his head kicked in by the Power <laughs> Rangers. He needs to unwind. Or maybe a stress ball. Yeah, there you go. There you go. I was thinking Goldar would love a little teddy bear. Maybe one holding a heart pillow or a new knife <laughs> or a new knife. <laughs> How about a teddy bear holding a knife? Oh, and finally, back at the youth center, it's party time. Starting with Bulk and Skull dressed as Santa and his reindeer. His reindeer who's wearing a leather jacket, which only gets stranger the longer you think about it. It's Skull. I mean, you know, it's, it's skull. skull. Yeah. And he's also wearing a weird hat with antlers adorned with tinsel. And it looks like there's a stuffed squirrel, like a dog toy, maybe. <laughs> it's Skull. It's... <laughs> We get the trope of one kid with an extremely long wish list. On a 2.6 paradise train set, on an F-14 Tomcat fighter jet, I want an autographed picture of the Power Rangers. I want a hamburger. No, a cheeseburger. Okay, all right. Uh, it's in the mail. <laughs> with a, he wants a hamburger. No, a cheeseburger. <laughs> cheeseburger. <laughs> it's like, uh, do you want Santa or Five Guys? <laughs> He's at the he's at the youth center. They can cook him up a burger. Yeah. I need to sit on Santa's lap for that. No, he wants Santa to buy him a burger. After, you know, let's go. Yeah. Is this kid like wimpy or something? <laughs> Gladly pay. Either that or Rolly from Hundred One Dalmatians. <laughs> Little of both. Uh, but luckily for Santa Bulk, the Rangers arrive with a bag of toys he ordered, and Kimberly immediately seeks out Becky, who thought she forgot about her. 
Kimberly assured her she would never, ever, and neither would someone else. And surprise, it's her dad. I'm sorry I wasn't here sooner. I promise from now on, I'm going to spend more time with you. You're the most important thing in the world to me. I love you. Me too, Daddy. You know what? Uh, going back to the bag, I was wondering if there was a hamburger in that bag. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Becky's dead. That, that was um, that was that was a very nice moment. It was. He apologizes for not being there sooner, promises to spend more time with her. And unlike Becky, we have a credit for her dad. His name is Richard Henry. Pretty much all of his credits are IMDb or background parts, like he's a security guy on an episode of Babylon 5, and he was an FBI agent in the movie Con Man, and a suspected and later convicted murderer on America's Most Wanted. So this was pretty much kind of like his biggest role. Could be. Yeah. He's A-plus 90s business dad who asks his baby girl, how would you like to treat your old dad to some hot chocolate? I just love how low stakes this trope is because like the idea of like kid wants parent around for Christmas is a thing you see pop up in a lot of specials. It does. But like, you know, in certain times it's like, oh, my dad's in the military. So he's in another country fighting a war or like my dad's on business. So he's in another state. And it's like my dad's Got two more hours on his shift, and I'll see him <laughs> later tonight. <laughs> yeah, but you know, she wanted him to be there to to uh, see her sing. Yeah, you yeah. Know? No, I get it. I just think it's funny how they have to like shoehorn that kind of thing in, and it's just like, well, can't make it too complicated, I guess. Yeah, but it, it felt sincere to me. I, you know, sure. One of the few things about this uh, about this episode that did. Oh, it's definitely the least terrible part of the episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And and she says there's something she needs to do first. And I'm here thinking, oh, it's time to sing. But no, she goes up to Santa Bulk to say thank you for making her Christmas wish come true and bringing her daddy here. Oh, and then his heart grew three sizes. (laughs) And that's why he had an early death, unfortunately. No. No. Now that actor is still around as far as I know, right? He is. No, he is still alive. Uh, she gives Santa Bulk a kiss on the cheek, and then as soon as she walks away, he pulls off his big fake beard and smiles. Dude, you're still at the party with children. Kayfabe is dead. <laughs> well, we know it's you. They did just have six teenagers disappear to like teleport to the North Pole or wherever it was. So yeah. I guess maybe taking off a Santa beard. No one's paying attention to anybody else. Except Becky's dad to her. That's it. Those are the only two people paying attention to each other. Both Bulk and Skull get misty-eyed, and Tommy and Kimberly give them a little wave for a job well done, as they're conveniently standing right under mistletoe again. But it takes them a second to notice before they finally get an on-screen kiss. I'm sorry. I do not believe that anyone standing under mistletoe was not fully aware that they were standing under mistletoe in the history of mistletoe possible oh hey look that's never happened people you know <laughs> it's possible <laughs> i don't know i mean we did just establish how self like self-absorbed everybody was right not noticing anything yeah. so why not mistletoe just suddenly appears no one has any spatial awareness here <laughs> i guess not so it makes more sense here but i'm looking at you muppet family christmas 
<laughs> Kermit and Miss Piggy were on that couch for like 20 minutes and sang a whole medley before Piggy noticed there was mistletoe. No way. Oh, well, P- Piggy it, knew. It's probably more like Kermit didn't want her to realize it. Perhaps. <laughs> yeah. It's that sort of uh, awkward phase of their relationship. Yeah. But Kimberly comments she doesn't know how this day could get any better. And out from behind the Hanukkah quarter of the party comes her mom and stepdad, who took a last-minute flight home from Paris. Aww. I just couldn't leave my baby all alone on Christmas. (laughs) I do not have a credit for the stepdad, unfortunately, but Kimberly's mom is Carol Potter, who is also Mrs. Walsh in Beverly Hills 90210. Oh, cool. Then we get Becky leading the holiday pageant choir in Silent Night. Silent Night, Holy Night. Every other kid in the choir is holding up their songbooks, but Becky's up in the front just holding it down in front of her like, I got this. Yeah, because, uh, you know, it's her big number. She wants to show everyone and show her dad that she can, she's got this all unlocked. She does. Uh, And and she sings very well. Yeah. The whole cast gathers around the stage. And on an audible count of three from Aisha, they all shout Merry Christmas and wave to the camera. And that's it. That was a journey. It was a bit of a a bit of a voyage. (laughs) Uh, Any final thoughts on I'm dreaming of a white ranger? I won't be tonight for sure. (laughs) (laughs) It was just such a cash in parts of it were like, okay, cool. But it's not something that, uh, and, and being someone who has watched more power Rangers than anyone my age probably should have. Um, it's not something that I would likely seek out to watch again. No, no, it is not. (laughs) <laughs> but um, I was about to say I appreciate that it exists, but no, I, I don't. I really don't. <laughs> no, it's. I mean, I appreciate that it's giving it, that it's given me, you know, a chance to come on here and talk about it because you know, you, you know, I can talk about Power Rangers. Absolutely, and I'm yes, and thank both of you for joining me. <laughs> this out of every Mighty Morphin Power Rangers episode I remember watching definitely feels like the most push this to home video special out of all of them yeah but it was fun to revisit uh yeah it was it was cool um it's the first time i've watched any mighty morphin in a, in a long time oh good um i've been watching a lot of like i said watching a lot of common writer a lot of ultraman stuff um mm-hmm. there's a there's a channel on pluto tv called tokushoutsu that shows a lot of those plus like a ton of super sentai Okay. So I've seen like, I've been watching a lot of just kind of mainlining a lot of the Japanese uh, stuff, but I hadn't really watched uh, Mighty Morphin in a, in a long time. I haven't really watched any of the American stuff in a while, but Mighty Morphin especially. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's nice to revisit, you know, characters that, that I hadn't seen in a while. Um, and, you know, like this, this part of, of the canon, I guess, season three, which, you know, people don't really talk about as much. A lot happens in it, you know? Yeah. You get the Ninja Rangers, and then you get um, 
uh, I think Rita's dad comes oh, in right. and turns them and turns them the Rangers into children, <laughs> and then the Aquatar the Aquatarian Rangers. Oh yes, the Alien Rangers have to come down. The, the Alien Rangers have to come down from Aquatar, and those were the Rangers from Kaku Rangers. So that's when okay. they actually used like the Ranger footage, the suit footage from Kaku Ranger. Um, in that what in that like you know week of episodes when when the show became Mighty Morphin Alien Rangers, right? Yeah, that's right. That was like a little mini series with them. Yeah, and then it ends with the whole Zeo Crystal quest mm-hmm. that leads straight into Power Rangers Zeo. So, um, so it's a very eventful season, and then, and then also they bring in Tanya, right? And Cat, yeah, and and Cat. That was part of um, the season. Yeah, a lot of change. Um, season three was the, the, there was a lot of change, a lot of moving um, pieces. But uh, it was it was it was fun to revisit and kind of remember where it was and remember where I was, you know, watching it, which was you know likely, you know, at home, <laughs> <laughs> you know, watching it after school. Um, yeah, it was a nice visit. It was. And if you enjoyed this show as a kid, it's definitely worth a rewatch, even despite there being no actual morphin time. But thank you both again for joining me on this very important mission. Thank you for having me. Yes, definitely. Uh, and if people want to get caught in your cross current of holiday magic, where can they find you on the Internet? Lindy. Probably on my Twitter uh, at I eat video games. And Andre. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Andre Bennett Go. Uh, fair warning, my TikTok is mostly videos of our cats. <laughs> the way God intended. Yes. Thank you both again. This was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. It, it's, it was a blast. Yes, absolutely. Well, Mighty Morphin Podcast pals, you can find show notes for all the many, many tangents we went on in this episode at adventcalendar.house. And you can say hi to me on Twitter at FallWestMike and AdventCalHouse. Be sure to join me again in a couple of days. Until then, for Lindy and Andre, from my secret corner of a public youth center where no one seems to be looking directly at me. This is Mike Westfall safely teleporting away from the icy patch and back to my command center. Talk to you next time. And now these messages. Marker and action. Merry Monday, everyone, and welcome to Behind the Bells. Imagine making a child take something it doesn't want. Just because he bought too many of the wrong toys. You guys give up or you're thirsty for more? Join us each week as we go behind the scenes of your favorite Christmas classics. <laughs> oh, Santa's got a little trick up his sleeve. Someone should remind her that Christmas is more than barging up and down department store aisles and pushing people out of the way. Our weekly show explores the magic behind that Christmas magic. Clark, that's the gift that keeps on giving the whole year. For Christ's sakes, it's Christmas. Join us as we explore that Christmas magic every week. Next time on the Advent Calendar House...